Okay, well, this is happening. It's sad to me that women should feel bad about wanting to have a fuckboy. It's, it's like taking the nicest poop you've had and putting it back in. Sit on my face. That's not what he sounds like at all. Okay. <laughs> I may or may not have daddy issues. <laughs> but we have mommy issues. I am a unique man. And I deserve nothing but the best. Hey there. Come on in. It's men and women by men who don't know women. Um, ah, 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 ah. Leave your shoes at the door. But come on in. Have a seat. Uh, I'm John. Uh, as always, your boy Adam's on the show. We have a very special guest today. Well, actually, if you haven't listened to the show before, uh, we're just a couple of guys talking about our feelings and what goes on inside of our hearts. And uh, today we have a very special guest. It's Dr. Holly Parker. She is a lecturer at Harvard University, also the chair of the Lifestyle and Mental Health Committee at the Bedford, Massachusetts VA. She was one of the people that we wanted to get on this show show before we even started recording interviews for this podcast. So this was just uh, this was just a delight. Uh, but if you would like to uh, follow Holly, she is at drhollyparker.com uh, on Twitter at drhollyparker. She has a book coming out on August 30th called When Reality Bites: How Denial Helps and What to Do When It Hurts. Uh, you should go buy yourself a copy of this book. Um, I think everybody needs this, um, unless you're in denial that it's going to help you. Uh, so, yeah, follow Holly. Um, please also reach out to us. We're uh, on G- at, uh, email at don'tknowwomen at gmail.com, Twitter at don'tknowwomen. Go to our website, don'tknowwomen.com. If you'd like to support the show, uh, you can go to our website, and at the bottom of each blog post, there's a link to an Amazon banner. Uh, all you have to do is click on that. Uh, Amazon link, do your Amazon shopping as normal, and we will just get a small cut of what you buy. It will help the show. It just takes you an extra 30 seconds. That's all you got to do. We would appreciate that immensely. Uh, Also, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. If you like the show, rate and review us. That would help us very much as well. Just to get the word out there, uh, we want everybody to hear about our inner turmoil so they can feel better about their lives. Um, Yes, thank you. I hope you enjoy this episode. Giddy up. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure to be here with you both. Oh, it's a great pleasure to have you. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So I wear a few different hats. Uh, In my role at Harvard, I'm a lecturer where I lecture on uh, the psychology of close relationships. And I also uh, lecture on introduction to social psychology. Uh, So I do that, too. That's pretty fun. And then in at the Bedford VA, I'm the one of the associate directors of training and the chair of the Lifestyle Mental Health Committee, where we really work on expanding the role of treatment, what we can what we think about in terms of what makes people well. So things like exercise, nutrition, uh, sleep, relationships. So this is very relevant to that, too. Um, And then I also do various forms of therapy as well. 
Okay, so you're yeah. saying like the, the lifestyle portion. So it's like that part that's that's outside of therapy. It's how you integrate um, lifestyle uh, habits and whatnot to uh, improve your mental health or to get the the most optimal mental health. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. In fact, you know, if we if we think about it historically, I mean, and actually in our culture, we tend to think about what qualifies as treatment as things like medication, right? And psychotherapy. And as I'd mentioned before, you know, certainly as a psychologist, my, my, my goal is not to diss those things. Uh, they're really important, but they don't have to be necessarily the go-to, um, or even if they are, they don't have to be the only thing. Um, you know, there's a, a quote I always like to, to leverage, which is, you know, the last thing a fish notices is the water, right? So our lifestyle is all around us, how much we're sleeping, how, you know, what we're putting in our bodies, how we're moving, how connected we are to people. Um, you know, are we getting outside and getting some sunshine and walking in a park or are we, you know, inside under halogen lights all the time? So if we think about being surrounded by clean water versus dirty water, um, you know, if somebody says... As we hear the water from... Uh, you can hear <laughs> a, a, literally water going. <laughs> it's so appropriate. Yeah, not a we do effect, a morning yeah. zoo thing here where we have a lot of sound effects and you know, a lot of fart sounds and things like that. I was going to so. say, yeah, is there someone there yeah. kind of queuing up yeah. to what he's, I He's said? back there. He's, he's running around. we got a whole catwalk in here. The, the, the producer, he's, uh, yeah, he's a silent partner here. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the support. Thank you, silent partner. <laughs> But I'm sorry, sorry, but that, that's a so that's that's a great analogy. Yeah, so you're saying yeah, yeah. Instead of like a, like a fish in the water, uh, you want to be living in clean water. You want your lifestyle uh, to be as conducive to your happiness. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, and if we kind of boil it down and think about it in a different way. So let's say somebody comes to you and goes, "Oh God, I'm just you know I'm so depressed and I'm so anxious and just just I just feel crummy all the time. I don't know what it is." And you just kind of sit back and go. You know, there, there can not that there can't be legitimate things that are going on, of course. But if we think about kind of other more subtle things, we start to ask questions about the water. So, okay, so are you, you know, are you moving at all? No, you know, I exercise. That's not for me. I just, you know, I hang out on the couch and I, you know, I really don't move. Oh, okay, what, what do you eat? Do you any fruits and vegetables? Anything like that? No, nah, you know, I'm really a, a Cheetos person. You know, I eat that a lot. Not, you know, pasta, no real, you know, not too many fruits and vegetables, maybe one or two a day. How much sleep are you getting? Um, you know, pretty good, like five hours. That's okay, right? Five hours of sleep on a regular basis. Are you spending time with people? No, nah, you know, I really don't have time for that. I'm, I'm working too much. I'm, you know, outside. What's that? And then kind of wonder, well, gee, maybe does that have something to do with it? And actually the science is telling us that, yeah, there's actually a lot that it has to do with it. Uh, and things like exercise, things like uh, nutrition, um, even um, you know how much sleep people get being out in nature, um, being connected. I mean, being isolated is one of the top causes of mortality, actually. So not only does it play a role in our mental health, but it plays a role in our physical health. So we're just yeah. not meant to go it alone. Yeah, it, being alone, <clears throat> the worst thing is being alone with your own self because you're the only person like, consulting with you is you, <laughs> and you just want to do the least, the path of least resistance. So you're just like, well, uh, you know, like, should I go out? Like, no, 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 you don't need to go out. Don't worry <laughs> about that. You're like, oh, thanks, man. Okay, all right, <laughs> I, I'm good. I, I, you know, I talked to my buddy. We figured it out. But, <laughs> my yeah, reliable never, consultant. Yeah, my reliable <laughs> consultant. <laughs> Should we talk to those girls? No? Okay. All right. No, we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't. All right. We'll go home. 
Well, you know, I love the way that you just said that, too, because you just characterized something that is, um, I'm convinced, one of the most uh, rewarding and one of the toughest aspects of relationships, which is vulnerability, really putting yourself out there. And when you go and you start to talk to someone, that's where it all starts, right? That's where marriages that have lasted for 50 years start. It all It started with an awkward conversation or uncertainty of, okay, so how do we begin to even get to know each other? And how do we, how do we allow ourselves to be known to another person? And that's really what you're doing when you come up to someone and you say, hi, you know, my name is so-and-so. You're allowing yourself to be seen and potentially opening yourself up for judgment, um, for rejection, or, and then this leads to a whole other level, acceptance, right? And a yes, uh, which you know, leads you down a road to potentially more vulnerability if you're willing to let it happen. Oh, a lot of times I think people are too scared. Like if they do say yes, it's like, not. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, the rejection is yes. terrifying, but what's even more terrifying is like taking that next, like, oh, that was so hard to go and talk to her. <laughs> oh, now I have to go on a date with yeah, her? Yeah. Holy fuck, you know? Like, <laughs> Absolutely. It's, such a, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I spent a really long time after, like, a really painful breakup uh, mm -hmm. and, and not dating, not mm -hmm. even putting myself out there at all. And I think part of the reason is because I was afraid that, like, I wasn't going to be able to, like, say no to the next step. And then, and then you're going to have to put more of yourself in. And then that's where that, like, pain and, like, heart break happens is when you really do put yourself out there oh and then somebody slaps it Sla yeah. in your mind that's, that's i mean it's not they're, they're literally slapping it down but in your mind that's what it feels like to you you know absolutely your heart gets crushed right, right. i mean it, it it's it's such a double-edged sword where you know if we kind of hang back and we put this little cozy buffer between ourselves and other people and we don't really allow ourselves to get close or don't allow ourselves to invest as much you know the we have a certain amount of safety. I mean, you, you can't you can't get your heart smashed, right? You you can't go, you know, oh no, like I've got this date if you don't care. Yeah. You know, you, you can't be hurt by something you don't care about. And yet what the what's the price that we pay for not allowing ourselves to care, right? Right. Yeah, I think people do that so much when you it's uh, yeah, there's no point to even try. Like, if say you're studying for a test, and you're like, "Well, <laughs> see, you're un super unprepared. You're not going to try to study more. You're just going to look full, you know, like, yeah. oh, I got a D, but I didn't even try. You know, like, well, whatever. It was like such a defense mechanism. I think so many people use, and yeah. not just relationships, but whatever, whatever it is in life. You know, you you work lazy in a job, and you like, oh, I hate that. You know, like they mm -hmm. fired me, but like I hated that job. You know, like they didn't treat me right. It's like it's you're just using a defense mechanism. Yes. And you know, I, that that's such an important point that you just raised too, because I mean, I do, I love this conversation because you're, you're both speaking to just such vital human, um, really what can be, you know, that this, these two sides of it, so scary and so rewarding, these, you know, elements of what it means to, to love someone and to be close to someone. And there are so many ways that people can defend themselves, right? Like saying, you know, kind of consulting with ourselves and saying, no, 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 I don't, I don't need to actually go and meet this person. I don't need to uh, even try or take a chance. But then there's that other, that other narrative that can really spin, which is, oh, you know what, I forget it. I don't, you know, finding different flaws, right? I don't really need to be with this person. She's not really going to be right for me. Um, you know what? And 
you know, it's probably just a matter of time till the hammer falls and she's just going to reject me. So let me see if I can find a way to reject her first. Yeah, you push people away. Absolutely. Push anything Happens away. all the time. Something I else I've noticed people do is sometimes you, you'll almost put the worst part of yourself forward. Yes. To it almost, you'll show the uglier parts of yourself mm-hmm. to push them away. Mm-hmm. Like, see, I knew they were going to do that anyway. Where that's right. It, it's, it's, I think that that's another um, like more self-loathing almost way to do it. But yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it provides a certain amount of justification, right? Because it's so much more difficult to really be honest. I mean, we're talking about vulnerability with other people, but there's also vulnerability with ourselves and real honesty. Oh, yeah. And really, it, it's a lot harder to push someone away if you look in the mirror um, and really think, oh, you know what? I'm really crazy about this person, but I'm terrified that they're not going to love me or they're not going to think I'm good enough. And so let me, I'm just kind of come up with some kind of excuse and some way to make myself less scared. It's a lot harder to justify that, right? Because what you're really tapping into is how strongly you feel about someone and how frightened you are. Those are emotions of connection. Instead, to weave a different narrative and kind of turn down the dial and deny those feelings and instead weave a different tale that's all about what is likely to go wrong, how this person may not be a good fit, or just, um, you know, convincing yourself that, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to hurt this person anyway, because I don't really, I'm not really that into them, whatever the story can be. And there's so many varieties of different stories that people can tell when it comes to putting their worst self out there or pushing somebody away or coming up with an excuse to turn them down. Mm. I think a lot of times, too, there are people who have <clears throat> the exact inverse with that. Well, they'll stay mm. with somebody because their fear is like, well, like no one's going to love me like this or like this yes. is the best I can get. So you you you, win, you weave that tale, too. Mm-hmm. So like it's, it's too scary or like you might – there are people who are like the, the serial daters, so people who just constantly get in a relationship and it might not be the, the best fit, but it's mm-hmm. like – their their connection they need that connection with somebody they'd rather just get to the intimacy and like you know it, it's yeah i don't know I, I i actually think absolutely and, and i i could be wrong but i i feel like that like that could be that um fear of the vulnerability with yourself is that you can't be alone you can't be in a position in life where you feel like you don't have anybody to fall back on and to support you mm-hmm. and um and I don't know if it's as far as codependent always but I know it can be um but I think yeah that that stems from that fear of being vulnerable with yourself do you think that's accurate definitely in fact i think all of um both of those dynamics really can boil down to fear of vulnerability with yourself right it, it's it's like that uh, famous line um I don't, you know, the Groucho Marx said, I don't want to be a, a part of any club that would have me as a member, right? <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> so, so you know, if, if ultimately, if, if you're not feeling right with yourself, um, if you feel like your own company, right? We talk about kind of having the, the consultant that you want to go to, but what if you don't like your own consultant, right? What if you don't really like your own company or you're, you don't feel like you're really a good person to be with if, if that's what you truly feel, then... It can actually lead to either dynamic, right? It could wind up pushing away people who are ultimately going to be good for you. And it could lead to staying in relationships with someone who aren't, you know, someone who isn't. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter whether somebody really is not a good person. The thing is, is all we have to do is believe we're not. And everything else follows from there. If we believe that we're not good to be in a relationship with, 
then that determines how we feel, that determines how we behave, and that ultimately whatever that that idea, that uh, vision that we have of ourselves is, we want to be seen. Yeah. No matter what it is. And so if someone sees the worst in us, then we're like, well, you know, they, they get me and, you know, I'm not going to get any better because this is really all I deserve. And why would someone up here really want me if I see myself as way down here? Right. But then connecting with somebody who's healthy and who really is loving, it could be like kind of throwing a ping pong ball against a wall, right? Anything that they say can just bounce off because it's like, well, wait, you're either crazy, you're a liar, or you're just totally not clued into me and you don't get me at all. And it's just a matter of time before you see what's really under the hood and you're not going to be with me anyway. Yeah, and you're just... Uh, I think, at least in in my case, I sometimes feel with uh, fear of vulnerability is, is fear of who I am. Mm. Like, what mm. the fuck... You know, when you're alone and you're not going to turn the TV on, you're not going to do anything, and you're just alone. Like, yeah. what do you do? And then, like, there's there's times where I'm like, oh, like, I would play a video. Like, is, is that what my thing is? Is, like, my, like, mm-hmm. where does your head go? And it's like, you know, you, you kind of question where you are and, like, your, your passions. I think that's, like, a fear of mine. It's, like, being mm-hmm. being alone for me is, like, questioning, like, hey, like, what do you actually want to do? Like, what do you like? And, like, like having the fear of, like, is what I like what I like or is what I like what I've surrounded myself (laughs) that's right which is a fucking wacky feeling you know what I I bet it is I'm turning this into a therapy (laughs) no (laughs) No, (laughs) I'm not paying for this by the way (laughs) I actually I I, I have to say I'm I hope that you get a a ton of listeners to this and the reason that I say that is not because I'm on your show Honestly, it's actually like I I feel so moved and I just love it when I hear people speaking about things that are so shared and this idea of knowing oneself, um, you know, it, it's there. There's a quote by Socrates. He said, you know, the, the unexamined life is not worth living. Right. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that is that at least this is talk about projection. I'm projecting onto Socrates here. But, <laughs> I, I just love how you're such a professor that you would have all of these quotes. <laughs> It's Groucho Marx and Socrates. And, yeah, and it's such, you're such a professor. It's, it's beautiful. I, I, I really love quotes. You, know, yeah. you get a good quote. It just has such a wonderful way of encapsulating an idea. Yeah. You know, I really love them. And what I love about that is that it, at least the way I'm projecting onto Socrates anyway, maybe this isn't what he had in mind. But this idea that getting to know ourselves is, and examining our lives is a process. And we, we're surrounded by so many influences. And there is this line that we can that can get fuzzy and we can be confused about. And I think the vast majority of people, I would say everyone, but I don't like to be absolute. So I won't <laughs> say everyone, but I'll say, you know, I think virtually everybody can really find themselves going, you know, what what is me? Like who, you know, how do I feel about this? You know, what 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 is what are my beliefs about? you know, life, you know, what, what is it that I truly enjoy versus what is it that I'm getting caught up in that everybody else seems to enjoy? Um, you know, and then we have so many shoulds that can come up in our culture about what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what we should like, what we shouldn't like. Um, so I think that, um, that questioning of where we as individuals, uh, stop and other people start in different dimensions is a really important one. And it's not something that's always so clear cut. 
because people influence each other in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, and no, just well, it. just one thing qu- quickly. Uh, it was just it's a uh, just a step back, but mm-hmm. basically about like be, uh, that that uh, fear of being vulnerable mm-hmm. with yourself, and that fear of being alone, and that's and that questioning of who am I. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times um, it can be it can become very toxic and detrimental when you find parts of yourself that you don't like, and and you ruminate on that. Like yes. uh, again, again for me. Uh, also just at being out of that like long relationship mm-hmm. uh, that was like that was the first person I had ever had sex with mm-hmm. and um, we were young in high school and I had kind of like pressured her into it the very mm-hmm. the first time mm-hmm. and then like after the fact I felt very guilty about that and I didn't mm-hmm. feel like uh Basically, that was like a part of myself that I really didn't like. And I was like, Mm -hmm. where did that come from? Mm -hmm. And I think that also stemmed for me, like not putting myself out there to women because I'm I'm saying there's a part of myself that I don't like and I don't want to share this with the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that that. Uh, created so much fear uh, in me and and kept me very isolated for uh, for some time. You know, I really appreciate you sharing that because that's also something that um let's be honest, it can be so immensely hard to really let someone into the deepest parts of who we are and to really show um, the things about, you know, whether it's facts about ourselves, whether it's aspects about our character. um, And again, it, all that we have to do is go in with our own ideas about what it is that um, we believe our shortcomings and what we don't like. Um, and, you know, so for example, um, you know, let's say that someone is, um, you know, kind of, you know, is very cynical, right? And they, they tend to be very cynical. And they might think, oh, God, you know, this person always seems so happy and so optimistic. Are they, if I really let them see that this is how I, how I tend to think about things? Like, you know, I don't even know how I feel about that myself, right? So how am I going to begin to share that, right? Right. Um, and so it could be anything. It could be, um, you know, something from the past, right, that's scary to talk about. It could be, um, you know, just any kind of difference that, you know, we're not sure if someone else is going to be accepting that. And that really, to, to put yourself out there, to use that term, I mean, there's a surface layer to it, and then there's a really deep layer to it, um, which is when you're on the surface layer, it's getting to know somebody and, you know, kind of putting yourself out there. But on a deeper layer, it's really revealing who you are and letting someone see everything. Um, And both the things that you really appreciate about yourself, as well as those things that may be really hard to talk about. And you may wonder, okay, if, if I reveal this, are they going to love me anyway? Um, And, you know, I, I, I really, I appreciate what you said so much because it's something that um, everybody has to grapple with and it's a really hard thing. Um, We love you anyway, John. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. uh, you We love you. And I think think also like a lot of that comes down to um, guilt and shame Mm -hmm. and how, um, you know, sometimes like I've I've heard it put that guilt can be very healthy where you're feeling guilty about a particular action. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe you did something wrong. You shouldn't Mm -hmm. do that. That's a good feeling to say, all right, that was a bad thing to do. I shouldn't do that again. Right. But then to carry shame from it and to say, I am a bad person for doing that is when I think it becomes so detrimental to to your mental health. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> okay. So I'm sorry. I've got another quote that just came to my head. This is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and it was um, a, a former uh, supervisor of mine, uh, Dr. David Shearer. He was one of my clinical supervisors. And we were talking about the difference between guilt and shame. And he said, you know, oh, he's like, guilt is healthy. If you feel it for five minutes and it changes your behavior. And it really, I mean, that, that sense of guilt. Um, now, I mean, you know, certainly we can feel guilt for longer than that and it can still be healthy. But the idea, you know, what you're, what you're really getting at and the reason I thought about it is that it's, it's something that is, it doesn't seep into who we are when we feel guilty about something. And it's also something that we can remedy. So there's research showing that when we feel guilty about something, we're actually more likely to approach it. Um, when we feel shame about something, we're more likely to withdraw because you can't change, or at least this is the idea that many people have, is you can't change what's inside of you. You can't change what's a part of you. Um, so I assume you are familiar with Brene Brown's work. Yes. Um, do you, you? Well, some of us aren't. So. Uh, are you, well, <laughs> well, Brene Brown does a lot of uh, research about vulnerability and shame. Um, and um, I mean, and and I one thing actually that that made me think of Brene Brown when you were talking mm -hmm. earlier was you were saying there there's like those um, those voices in your head that that you have mm -hmm. those conversations with yourself, and once they when they become negative and when they aren't kind to you, mm -hmm. and a Brene Brown calls those like the gremlins in your head that, that, that speak to you in the way that puts you down and like that, that you look at them and you would never really talk to other people like that because you would, it would, it would, those would be the nastiest, most negative interactions. Like, I mean, I know in my head all the time I'll do something and be like, Oh, you fucking idiot. Yeah. And like, and I'll say that to myself in my head and even like know how absurd it is and, and under and be, and I'm aware of the, and, I, and yes. it still comes up to, in my head all the time. Just this berating, uh, self-talk. Yeah. All oh, of a sudden, you make yeah. a sh like a like a little sh head shake, like you took a shot of whiskey. You ever do that? You have a thought in your head, like get that thought out of my head. Yeah, I, I always think of it like when I when I um, when I'm challenging and like talking to people about certain negative beliefs that they'll that they'll have. I'll ask people, okay, let, let's imagine kind of like a gremlin, right? Let's imagine that there's a little person who's on your shoulder in your pocket, you know, wherever you want to carry them around. And they're talking to you and they're saying the same things that you're saying to yourself. What would you do? If that, what would you say to that person? If that person was saying all the things oh, that's a good to one. you that you're saying to you and you know, nobody, I, I have yet to get a response. I've had various forms of rejection that I've heard around that. Um, punching the punching the person, you know, <laughs> tell them to leave me alone, right? All kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, um, I have yet to hear anybody say, oh, I, I, would, uh, I would totally believe them and I would just keep taking it. Nobody right, I'd take them that. to lunch. Like, yeah, I'd yeah. take them to lunch, right? And I'd keep <laughs> carrying them around and be glad to have them. And so it, it really, it's something that we, we often don't think about how we're treating ourselves and our relationship with ourselves. And that ultimately, no matter what relationship we have in life, the most important one we have is with ourselves every time. Because that, I mean, we, we spend the most time with ourselves, right? So, you know, we have our own company. But also, it, there's so much science on how it really infuses every aspect of our lives, including our romantic relationships. So, you know, one of the things that I like to tell people is if you're going to do anything, 
to really elevate the quality of your relationships, work on your relationship with yourself, and you'd be amazed at how many things really flow from there. Um, and it can be a hard thing to do, and I, but doable. I, 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 that resonates with me because I, I feel like that's actually how I got out of my, like, uh, I keep alluding back to this, like, mm-hmm. dark period of my life. Yeah. But I feel like that's actually Absolutely. how I, I got out of it. I, 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 you know, experimented with, like, yoga, meditation. Mm-hmm. I started eating better. I started exercising. I just started doing awesome. things that would make me happy. I was, like, living with my parents in a, in a job that I hated. I just quit the job, moved in with some friends, started, awesome. do, like, doing things that, that I enjoyed more. And um, I, I've, like, I maybe have never been happier than I am right now, at least compared so to that great. moment in my life. And I think so much of it is because, like, I, I was able to um, almost drop my own ego. I think mm-hmm. so much of it for me was that I was like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. There's mm-hmm. so much, I think, uh, culturally, there's such a stigma around mental health uh, and, or mm-hmm. mental illness that, like, for me, it's like, I, I couldn't, admit, even if I'm like mildly depressed or have anxiety, I didn't even want to admit that any of those things were wrong with me. Mm. And it took the, uh, just me to just to, to say fuck you to my ego and then uh, go and delve into like the real problems and like work mm. on myself, I guess. But so that, that really resonates with me. Oh, I'm so glad. And I mean, it, it is, it's, it's, it's really hard to get to that place, right? To really be honest with yourself and to stand in something. But we, we can't leave something that we haven't addressed. You know, right. we can't leave it behind. Do you find, oh, I'm sorry, do you find a lot of uh, patients or people uh, that you deal with are resistant to that uh, concept of changing their lifestyle? Like you were saying, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I don't go to the gym, I sleep this, I only sleep this many hours. And when you tell them, well, maybe you could change these things, do you, are you met with a certain level of resistance? Well, I think kind of um, in terms of, um, you know, I can talk kind of broadly about people in general, um, because, you know, when I talk about, um, um, you know, I talk to a lot of different people about aspects of lifestyle. So just thinking about kind of how people in general, um, not even clients I've worked with, but like even just people in general tend to respond. um, I think broadly it. It can be, so there are two main themes that tend to, I think, come up. One is people are really surprised um, by the role of lifestyle in making people's uh, mental health a lot better. Um, That's something that we just don't tend to think of. We tend to think about health as from the neck down. Uh, That's how we tend to think of it. And the idea that, wow, we can actually, the very same things that, benefit our bodies, that lower our cholesterol. It's like one-stop shopping, right? That, that really increase our, um, you know, cardiovascular health, that all of those things uh, have a big impact on how we feel and can make life feel a lot brighter. So that's one thing is the surprise. But the other thing is um, people, uh, people can have uh, a hard time with making changes. And so I think the big, the big step is to um, help them to make changes in a way that really fits who they are and where they're at and what they want to do. So, um, you know, <laughs> I'm a runner and I'll tell people, this is such a corny line, but I'll say, hey, if it's not fun, don't run, right? Like if it's something that you don't, I, quote don't, it. I warned you, a quote, <laughs> and I warned you it was bad. <laughs> 
I was going to give you a heads up on that. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pre-corny warning. Yeah. We'll make a note about it in the intro. Yeah, just, yeah, to, just hang on, guys. <laughs> Get yeah. through this part and it gets better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, really the, the ultimate, um, I think the ultimate thing that's so important for people to do is to make sure that they're not um, making changes that are um, out of alignment with what they truly enjoy. So, you know, if, if somebody, it's really common for people to say, I, I don't like to exercise. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Do you like to walk? Oh, I love to walk. Well, do you like to exercise, right? So that's fine. Do that, right? Or um, in terms of the foods that people like, right? Um, well, what kinds of fruits and vegetables do you like? Um, that it, it, can be, it can be a change that doesn't, people don't have to aim for perfection. I mean, you know, for all of us, we don't either do lifestyle or we don't do it. We're all really on a continuum of sorts. And so just making a little change and really tapping into um, what I like to talk to people about is, is tapping into the things that are most important to them. So if you think about domains of lifestyle, like the ones we're talking about, sleep, relationships, um, purpose and meaning, being in nature, um, which, by the way, that's another one that's really easy to do, just looking out the window and having trees. Uh, the trees in your view has powerful mental health benefits. So. Not, not looking at your neighbor into your neighbor's window. That's not <laughs> yeah. what we're talking yeah, about. No, nobody, you got to warn our listeners. Yeah, I mean, no, nobody's advocating yeah. for that. Yeah. Well, nature's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, nature's, nature's, this nature's great. I know nature. You can look at this nature at all day, right? Yeah, no, not that, but, but it's really easy. <laughs> it's really easy, you know, to be able to make these little kinds of changes. And, and there are going to be some that people really want to do. And then others, people, you know, well, just forget it. I'm not interested in that. I don't want to make any changes. And rather than battle someone and get in this crazy tug of war, you know, I just, I really love to meet people where they at and say, where they're at and say, okay, what is it that you really care about? And so someone may not care about how they're eating right now. They may not care about being out in nature. They may not even care about their relationship, but they may want to move a little bit more than they do. And it doesn't even have to be for mental health reasons. It could be, oh, you know, I've got the spare tire. I'd really like to lose weight. And I don't really care about this mental health stuff, but, you know, I really want to lose. Okay, well, all right, let's talk about what you like to do. And then oftentimes, once people start to make one change, it's like a waterfall. Um, they start to, it cascades and they make other changes from there. So I just look for the hook. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is, it's so intimidating. <laughs> so I, I witnessed John go through this thing where like, you know, he was, you know, doing meditation, doing yoga, just being more active. He was exercising a lot. Mm. I was living in the same house as him and I, and I too was going through a situation I, and I bought a yoga mat. I sit. I looks. I I look at the yoga mat in my room, and I get more depressed than I already was not doing yoga. Like I look at it and go, oh, "You no. fucking idiot! You what are you doing?" And like, but like, it's it's just so. It's you know, you're you're right by grabbing that hook and getting you into it. But it's you know that when you John, when you were asking if it's like difficult or you get pushback, like the pushback to me is like the actively like. Oh, yeah, sure, I'd love to do more things, but I don't actually want to actively do any of the things. Right. Like, I want a surrogate Adam to come in. He does it. I come <laughs> back. I feel really good about myself. 
and then I, at the end of the day, you know? And I think that's really common. I think that's what's yeah. so beautiful about your approach is that, like, there's so many, uh, like, weight loss programs mm-hmm. that are like, well, try this diet and lose 50 pounds in two weeks. But it's like, they're, they're, it's, it's people, it's not sustainable or realistic. No. And you're not going to feel good integrate. about it. Exactly. No. You're not going to feel good about you're it. Not you're not putting you're your body not... through a healthy process. And it's exactly. Like, it's like, yeah, yeah, you're looking for a cheap fix. Right. You're fucking shooting up or something. That's not a good analogy, but still. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the opposite that's of the, her. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> But but your point's well taken, hey, though. Perception <laughs> is reality, okay? I think Gandhi said that once. <laughs> See, there you go, the quotes. They're catching. Yeah, you know, They're it's catching. contagious. <laughs> well, and also, you know, to use that example, right, with, you know, weight, watch, weight Watchers or something like that, or kind of a, you know, 50 pounds, you know, a promise to lose this much weight, it can also be incredibly intimidating, um, you know, to, to have this huge target where it's like, okay, let's let's actually have sub goals instead of, you know, 50 pounds out here, let's focus on two. Let's focus on two for now and doing that. And, and if you can get people doing things that are really fun, that they're going to enjoy, then it feels less like working out and more just like being active and having your own time. And then, yeah, I think that's the scariest part to it though, is like knowing mm -hmm. that it's another step. So like, Mm -hmm. again, just bring it back to relationships. Absolutely. Ask, you know, talk to the person. Then ask them if they would like to get like a couple like, to hang out, and then ask. It's, it's oh, I can't just. Why can't I just skip to us watching Netflix, hanging out, and like you know, go into barbecues? Like, it's right. it's such a tedious process that it's so scary to do that. I think so many people can so easily just you know withdraw from it. That's it's just a d- deterrent. Oh, is absolutely. the actual doing the steps. Absolutely. It's like, you know, essentially what I was thinking of as, as I was listening to you talk about it is, well, God, why can't we go from hello to skip over the awkward parts and just be really comfortable with each other and, yeah. and spend time together and, you know, have our conversations, you know, where they really flow a lot more easily and it doesn't, there isn't as much uncertainty. Yeah. I'm actually going to quote John on this from a while back. <laughs> when John was starting to get back into the, into the dating, uh, he he said to me, I wish I could just give a girl my dating resume. Like, mm. I'm a good boyfriend. Yeah. Like, I can hand it in. She can take a little bit of time and then call me back. And I'm going to, you know, I'm like, well, hey, I'm, I'm the boyfriend. <laughs> right. We're good. That's right. Like, it's official. It's yeah. so beautiful. It's like, that's what we want. We want that ability to, like, just skip the basis. And I think that that's actually what online dating is now, though, right? I talk to so many women that say men never talk to me in real life anymore. They only talk to me on online dating. Mm-hmm. That's the only place that people are meeting, I think, because it there's not that it's not as much risk. There's not like you don't have to physically put your your heart out to them or or whatever. You don't have to be as vulnerable to them. You get to hand them this typed up uh, fake person. Basically, a dating resume is what is what like a, an online dating account is, and then they can accept or reject you from there. Or oh, now now we can go get a drink, and it takes a lot of that. Um, that vulnerability out of it. Actually, you know what? I love that you said that because there, there are two there are two different things that really come to mind for me when it comes to online dating. Um, I'm actually a huge fan of online dating, um, and and I, I think there's a an, an really interesting kind of social dynamic that's happening with it. Um, so on the one hand, believe it or not, actually two out of three marriages are happening online you know they start off online now so it's hugely taking off i don't know like facebook i'm not a fan match.com has some statistics on how many babies they're responsible for it's like you know easily over a million babies it's crazy (laughs) that's the exact opposite of the trojan campaign (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Right. Look how many baby, babies yeah. we don't have. Here's how many babies we prevented. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's one hell of a mosaic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> organizations that create babies and organizations that prevent them. Right. The balance of life. <laughs> yeah. The balance yes. of life. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so you have, um, you know. There's, um, in some ways, it's interesting, and the fact that you mentioned risk, I think, is really is really cool because, um, in some ways, it's more risky because you know there have been some interesting questions that come up for people of, okay, so I've got my picture out there on the internet that's clear I'm advertising and looking and I'm dating, so who could see this? Um, you know, so people can be concerned that, you know, co-workers will see it, that, you know, maybe their boss will see it, which also would mean that their boss is on the same yeah, side, so there's say, really yeah. nothing to worry there's, about there. Yeah. Right, right. You're all in the same boat. Yeah, there's no, right. there's no the one same. being like, couldn't believe she's on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could have seen that one coming. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like, well, like? Not, really, not, really, not really a good place to judge, right? Yeah. Um, so, so there's, there's, um, you know, some risk that can, that can come from people with, you know, really putting their picture out there and, and having it so widely visible, um, that can feel very vulnerable for people. Um, and at the same time, what I think is really cool about online dating, um, is if we think about, um, there's a, a concept called functional proximity, um, and functional proximity is basically where, um, you're more likely to meet people who are, you know, going to the same places where you go, right? So there's there was research um, from the 40s actually showing that, you know, in a big apartment complex uh, where people like people who lived near where the mailboxes were, they were actually uh, more likely to be friends with varied people because those people would come and they would meet each other and strike oh, up conversations, right? Um, so, so there's that kind of functional, there's literal proximity, right? When you're actually neighbors next to each other. But what I think is really cool is that concept of functional proximity. So, you know, people, if you, you know, the coffee shops that you go to, the gym that you go to, the supermarkets that you get, you know, you just start to see, the same faces all the time, people who you meet at your job, right? The, those are people you're in functional proximity with. So if we think about before the internet came along, um, or certainly before online dating came along, you know, you had people really relying on, you know, could be, you know, different clubs, right, um, of similar interests. Um, maybe people would meet other people at, you know, church, at, um, you know, the supermarket, going to bars, um, in college, right, at their job. Um, people can think of all kinds of different, um, you know, different avenues to meet other people. But it was the, the theme that all of those share is it's relatively more limited. Um, now what's happened is, with online dating is you can literally search you know, you can set your parameter of, of how far you want your circle to be and boom, you have access to so many people and with how normalized it's become, um, the, your, uh, your realm of possible partners widens significantly. Um, and it also winds up being a really um, efficient way of dating in a sense, because rather than having to, you know, let's say that smoking is a, a deal breaker for you, right? 
rather than having a conversation with somebody and then finding out, oh, okay, we just spent an hour together and, and she smokes, right? right. Or, you know, making sure that there are certain common interests that are really, really important to you. That can be a way of filtering people a bit uh, that doesn't happen as efficiently. Um, so when you have that put together, you're able to filter, you're able to really hone in on the people who you want to meet, and you have a much wider sphere. It's actually not an accident. There's actually some uh, new research showing that uh, marriages that start online are actually happier than marriages that don't. Um, and it'll be interesting to kind of continue to look at the, at the literature on that, but that um, what, what I think is the case is that people are actually more likely to meet someone um, where they're a true match. It's not like, okay, um, I found somebody they're they're meeting most of the things you know or a lot they're they're good enough you know that this is it's taken it to a whole other level but the the risk part that you mentioned there's a a really cool kind of chicken in the egg uh question here because on the one hand absolutely (laughs) if you want to hide behind a profile and you're like okay let me just you know, invite, right? <laughs> or, you know, right, tell yeah, the person yeah. you're interested, poke them or yeah. whatever it may I like be. to uh, <laughs> snowboard and dirt bike and, <laughs> you know, like, whoa, I do like cool things. You're not, you don't have to actually be the person. When you're talking to somebody, you can be more confident online. It's a crazy thing. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like a smooth guy. And then I talk to you and I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck happened to that yeah. cool guy that you're yeah. talking to. And you don't have to be face to face, right? With a click of a button, you can, you know, you can ask, you know, ask someone, um, you know, maybe to talk, right? You can gauge much more easily if they're interested at the start um, <laughs> without actually having to come up to them. On the other hand, there's um, uh, it, it raises the question too, I think, where because so many people are engaging in online dating, if it also can flip the other way and what's happening is that that becomes people's go-to so they don't even think about actually um, coming up to someone in person because they now they've got this line between okay this is my dating sphere this is the rest of my life sphere and I've got all these people who I'm in contact with and who I'm going on dates so I don't even need to think about it out here right so it, if it shifts the way people think I love, could be a bit of both yeah I love the idea of, of, of like a guy like talking to this girl in the coffee shop every single day and then going home and like swiping on <laughs> tinder like, I hope I find her I hope I find her I hope yeah. I find her You're like no you found her she's right there like, right. Oh, I can't <laughs> she's not single if she's not on here just... <laughs> yeah why bother and it can really be a bit of both I mean it, it certainly makes it much more um, at least when you're going on a date with someone who you meet online you know that they're single, you know they, or you hope, you know they don't have a partner, or you hope, and you know that at least they've got some interest in you. Um, you know, so your point's well taken. It certainly, it certainly cuts down on a lot of vulnerability. Right, and I think, I think you, I think you outlined it perfectly too. Like that is a, it's a fascinating dichotomy, mm-hmm. and I think, um, I'm sure your work has uh, become very interesting since online dating uh, has come. Were, you, were so were you um, doing uh, relationship psychology work? Uh, before online dating became popular, have you? Did you oh, wa- basically? Did Harmony, you watch that happen? Going on forever. She's not like you know ninety eight. You know? <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it, no, but I, appreciate I the remember <laughs> we used to meet kids in the soda fountain. <laughs> no, I mean, it's been around for a while, but it hasn't been popular. It hasn't been like very popular for that long. No, no, it hasn't. I actually was not. Um, I was interested in 
relationships um, before online dating became really popular. More people were doing it, but there was still a little bit more dissension <laughs> than there is now. Um, but actually, the, the area of relationships where I really started was in loss and how people how people cope with the loss, um, especially traumatic loss of relationships. So that's actually where I started. Um, and then I moved from there into, you know, really asking the question um, and, you know, not doing necessarily my own research in this area, but really kind of delving into what other people are doing and just wanting to convey that information to people because there's so much incredible science out there on what makes relationships thrive. How do we really build um, the most loving, connected relationships possible. Because if we think about it in our culture, there's this, I, I think of, um, you know, lifelong romantic relationships um, in people's minds is almost like winning the lottery, right? So people literally, I mean, people will buy their tickets when the lottery comes, when the mega millions comes around, right? People will get in line, they will buy their tickets and, and there'll be this hope People will com convey this hope, and yet at the same time, if if you if you really listen to people and you talk to them for you know more than a few seconds beyond that hope, they go, "That's never going to happen." Right? I really want it. I'm willing to put money out there for it, and I would do a happy dance if it happened. But eh, what are the odds? And literally, that is how a lot of people, um, I'd say most people in our culture, think about uh, romantic relationships. I remember. Um, I remember hearing the phrase, um, and I always like to invite people to think about times when they've heard this phrase of, yeah, you know, sure, you're happy now, but just wait till you're together for fill in the blank mm -hmm. years. Yeah. And it's this vision, this idea that <laughs> relationships are going to decline, right? That, that somehow where they start at the beginning, it's like this magical phase. And then there's this inevitable kind of going down where uh, the, the, the romance isn't going to be there. The passion's not going to be there. Maybe we're really going to fight and maybe start to, you know, take each other for granted a ton and not really be into each other that much. And that's so depressing. You know, that, that's, that's the expectation, though, that a lot of people, and I think in our, in our culture, I mean, we're so fascinated by love you can see it in movies you can see, hear it in music right in plays and yet it's this wonderful thing that people really want and they don't think they're going to be able to have for a long time and actually up until <laughs> up until a few years ago uh researchers would uh you know come along and said yep you're right sorry your relationship's going to decline <laughs> right. um, but now we actually know that that's not the case and that just like people as individuals we follow different paths in life we develop differently um, and there are different kind of trajectories different pathways we can follow couples are the same way and on average believe it or not you can predict a lot about a couple from one of the biggest predictors is what they look like at the beginning. Um, not all couples are equally rosy, uh, contrary to the stereotype. And so you really do see these meaningful differences. And yes, is it true that we need to, you know, like a plant, right? We need to really tend to relationships? Absolutely. Can we mess them up? Yes, we can. But, but really, there's so much around uh, finding the right match that's really important. And if you can find someone who's right for you um, and then nurture that relationship, there's no reason why you can't have lifelong romantic love, passion, and connectedness. Well, see, to me, that's 
and maybe I'm just in this this generation. Maybe this is my own, my my thought, but mm. it's it's because of the online dating too that makes you constantly be second guessing. Maybe I can find something better. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like through the because mm-hmm. as you were saying, relation you know things things ebb and flow, but you know you, you can continue to love and grow and things mm-hmm. like that. But at the same time, during an ebb, you can you start to go well. I mean. Look how easy it was. It was a, you know, and, and, and online dating is so addicting. So say if your relationship is... I think that's a flow. You're during a flow. A flow. You're saying when it's like, when it's good, when it's Eb, good, it's going well. Eb comes when it's slow. Flow is when it's going. When it's slow. Yeah, yeah, when it ebbs. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying ebb. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought I'm you said. I thought you meant like. I thought you meant. I'm down in the pessimism. Oh, it's going good now. Okay, so now it's flowing. It's not coming to. I mean, it's not. It's ebbing. No, oh, it's sorry. not flowing. There's no flow. I'm sorry. I'm, it is I, I'm a trickling creek. I, I was trying to clarify. I misunderstood. I'm confusing you. Keep going, please. Uh, but you, you start back to the feeling of like how good that feeling was when you. The feeling when when somebody likes you on online dating is like mm-hmm. such a, like a oh like they just looked at me mm-hmm. and they like like they were interested in me it's it's such a, an, an addicting feeling mm-hmm. and so when you get that feeling and say if you you know you know that and then you go into a relationship I think some of those feelings may like you know maybe that maybe that's just me and oh god I hope my ex girlfriend doesn't hear this uh, maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's just my own thought of like this that that temptation of like or that, that feeling of of getting you know, validated. Well, you know, the, um, I actually, you know, in, in terms of the point that you just made, I love it. It is absolutely. We want validation. We want to be appreciated. We as humans love having that sensation of feeling desired, feeling cared for, cared for, feeling appreciated, someone who's really, you know, passionate about us, right? We, people love to feel that way and they don't want to lose that. And actually it doesn't have to be something that um, couples lose. In fact, relationships are really, um, you know, they're systems. Um, They really are systems, right? It's, it's, I kind of, the, the analogy I like to think about is with uh, tennis, um, and I'm not a good tennis player, but my husband really is. And he, he's really kind of introduced me to the sport. And, you know, we can't control what somebody else does, right? All we can do is, is control what we do. But, you know, it's easy to, to not really realize that. And oftentimes people in relationships um, can feel like, you know, they're kind of on, you know, a raft drifting to, I'm going to go continue with the water analogy here yeah. they're like on it's, it's a, flowing it's flowing it's flowing they're <laughs> on a flowing river <laughs> drifting down the river with no um no sense of you know Where an ability to steer right that they can steer it anywhere or that they can control it um but actually and this is I love talking to people about this like if if we can uh really realize that relationships are systems and that we in-house have the ability to powerfully, we can't control our partner and that'd be creepy if we tried or if we could, right? We can't, we don't want to control what our partner thinks and feels, but we can certainly influence how the relationship goes. And if, if, for example, if your partner um, shows you uh, appreciation and gratitude, like you come home, she's like, oh, I'm so happy to see you, right? Gives you a big kiss and a big hug and you feel, you feel appreciated, you feel loved you feel adored. Mm-hmm. You're gonna and you're going to really carry that forward, and you're going to appreciate your partner in return, and you're going to see all these wonderful things in her, 
and you're going to want to do more things for her, right? So, so you're it's like gonna... trickery is what you're saying. <laughs> no. It's trickery on no. her part, and then now I have to go do things for her. And I see how it is. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, definitely not trickery. Actually, I am all about authenticity and people really showing their partner how they feel about them because it's amazing. You know, people... Um, actually have a tremendous amount and people can kind of slow down um, and really tap into how they feel about their partner um, and if they if they can make sure not to lose that amidst rushing around and doing this and this with the kids and this right or maybe holding on to a resentment or something like that if they can really get vulnerable because it's so much easier anger um, and defensiveness are all about a lack of vulnerability, right? But really allowing yourself to remain vulnerable and to be soft and connected with how you feel about your partner and allowing yourself to show that and to be real. Yeah. And to just really show the enthusiasm that you feel and to remind yourself how important your partner is. I think, again, like we were talking about really taking care of our relationship with ourselves. It's also about taking care of our vision of how we see our partner and reminding ourselves of all the wonderful things that we love about our partner and reminding ourselves to look for all the cool things that our partner does because it's really, you know, whatever we look for is what we're going to see. Um, I can't tell you how often I've heard people um, characterize little things that their partner would do or that a partner could do as well. They're supposed to be doing that. Really? Yeah, <laughs> That's news to me. I didn't know they were supposed to be doing that. Well, I mean, um, it, it, he submitted his resume. And <laughs> he read the job description and later got it. We all understand how it works. That's right. He's just following along the job yeah, description. Yeah, right? He signed on the contract. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, I mean, really, if if we can if if we can really see what we appreciate in our partner, remind ourselves of that then we start to see it more. Like it's like if, if you know, tomorrow morning, if we did a little experiment and we walked down to the corner and we said, all right, we're going to try to spot how many blue cars we can find for 30 minutes. And then we all checked in with each other and we said, okay, how many blue cars were there? We go, oh my God, like are blue cars being sold everywhere, right? How is this that there are so many that are popping up all over the place? Oh, let's say you ask, well, how many red cars were there? It's like, well, not that many. So if we don't, you know, similarly, what, what we see, what we're looking for, we see. And what we see affects how we feel about our partner. So just really, it's amazing how people can kind of catch their partners not doing enough in their mind. But if you can flip that and look for all the things that a partner is doing right, and really showing, being willing to show how much you appreciate someone, they're going to they're gonna feel more appreciative in return. And so it's like this, I think of it as like a beautiful snowball, like this thing that just keeps rolling and rolling and maintaining itself. Um, relationships can unravel or they can maintain themselves and get stronger. And it's all around what happens with that system. And it really starts with us. You know, we have much more power to influence it than we even realize, which is pretty cool.
Yeah, that's a, the, yeah that 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 all that really resonates with me too. I mean, that's like the uh, just practicing gratitude mm-hmm. in your life and in your relationship, and saying mm-hmm. like you can uh, look at the uh, the empty half of the glass yeah. and uh, what isn't there or what um, is is bothering you, or you can look at the things yeah like you're saying like the great things your partner does for you or the things in your life that you do have and that make you mm-hmm. happy. Um, and I think a lot of it um, is like like you're like you're saying when people uh, react that oh well, they're supposed to do that it's like because we look at other people's lives we look at other people's relationships we're always comparing that to ourselves and not mm-hmm. and not and not even taking into account that there is all of these other circumstances involved in other people's lives and other people's relationships that we have no insight into because that's their private life and we're living in our own and I think it's like it's so easy to compare your relationship or yourself uh <coughs> to to other people and then that and then lose sight of what you're grateful for and what um you do have going absolutely and it's you know that's the other thing is there's a whole um there's a whole uh excuse me there's a whole backstory that people aren't always clued into they're often not clued into with the other people right so we can see kind of a facade It's so God, hot here. Like She's coughing. having heat stroke. That's what it is. <coughs> yeah, it is. It's getting, uh, getting oh stuffy God. in here. Excuse me. Sorry. No okay, there. I passed. I think I'm good. Um, so, you know, <laughs> so when we think about other couples, oftentimes there's this whole backstory that we don't see. So people will, and sometimes there's a backstory that we do see, right? But a lot of times couples will show, you know, this front face and we don't see all the things that are happening in the background where we know what's going on in our own background. So it can be like, well, wait a minute. They, they seem like they, they never get upset ever. And if we do, does that mean there's something wrong with us? And it's like, no. And actually, you know, what, what gets defined as something that's abnormal or not okay? I think the frame is everything. You know, if we frame something as, you know, hey, this is okay, so we're having a conflict here, you know, we're having a speed bump right now. That's very different than it's like, oh, you know what, maybe we're just not meant to be together. Maybe this is a sign that that changes everything. It changes it from something that's, hey, you know, I'm with the I'm with the right person. We just, you know, this is part of being human. And we're, you know, part of two people. We're individuals. We're going to figure this out versus, oh, my God, the sky is falling and and this doesn't seem fixable. I mean, the crazy the the scary thing is not knowing when you're in which mm. yeah i was I just gonna that was thing. exactly what i was i was thinking too yeah how do you know how do you know when it's like just a speed bump in your relationship when it's the size that we, yeah, that, yeah 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 i was thinking when, the same I, thing. is it am i cutting bail is this a speed bump is this me is this her is this split is this am i not eating am i sleeping what the hell's going on <laughs> <laughs> it's a great question i mean and I, I think that that's an essential piece right because if um, if we think about the the science around this and kind of you know what people what people do with how they understand what's happening in their relationship. If somebody is, so if we think about that phrase, kind of don't make a mountain out of a molehill, right? Mm -hmm. If you're with, if you're in a healthy relationship, then, um, then, you know, and, and if it feels like in general, the relationship is one that's very sustaining, then it can actually be, um, you know, this idea of, of kind of elevating something and making it more than it is versus kind of putting it in its proper perspective actually can take away more from us than we want, right? That if we kind of say, okay, you know, this is 
this is a speed bump, you know, in what is otherwise a healthy relationship, then it's fine. But if we smooth things under the rug where maybe it's not a healthy relationship, then we're just allowing problems to fester and maybe we're justifying behavior that is not okay um, at minimum or even abusive. And this idea of what what is a healthy relationship um, is such a vital one. Um, you know, and there are certain things that, that we can think about in terms of, you know, just kind of things that we can ask ourselves when, we, when we're thinking about whether our relationship is a healthy one. Is One is, does, you know, does the, is this person, does this person treat me with basic fundamental respect and care, right? Like if we really just simplify it, and that doesn't mean that people don't have their moments, right? But that in general... Um, you know, partners can make mistakes, but that if you if you really look honestly at the relationship, do you know? Do you feel like you're with someone who um, respects you and who cares about you? Do you feel cared for, um, or is this someone who minimizes you and tears you down? Is this someone who tries to build you up, um, who listens to you, who is emotionally available? to you, who you can connect with, um, who you feel you can trust and you can be open with? Or is this someone where they would reject you at the slightest sign of opening up at all? And if you talk about the things that are important to you, they go, you know, it's never going to work. Why do you even bother trying, right? If you, if you feel more torn down than you feel built up. And I think it's really looking at not just a moment in a conversation or not even, in a, not even a week, but if you look at this story arc of the relationship, is this one where you, um, the person trusts you and you trust them that, um, that fundamentally um, is your life better off with them? Like, do you feel nurtured and cared for as a person with this individual? Or do you feel like um, they really aren't showing you, they're not showing your heart the care that it really deserves? And that can be, I mean, that that's something that um, can really take time to identify. Yeah, I was just going to ask, how, how, um, how would you suggest um, somebody that's in a relationship and, and but is having trouble getting that clear perspective on it like we've had a guest on the show uh, many times she um recently just uh I, I, she got divorced from her husband mm. she was married from 19 to 28 mm -hmm. and it was um it wasn't that he was like a bad guy but it was that they had a very unhealthy relationship but it took her years and years and years to actually admit it to herself mm -hmm. and really be uh, be able to take action mm -hmm. and I mean now, now she's great she's super happy with it but there was so long that she was living in this relationship that was like in some ways controlling her life I'm gonna handle this from what I've learned today is that you should have the same thing you're, where you were talking about having the, the man in your pocket or the man on your shoulder it's, mm -hmm. it's yourself have your relationship on, on in that. Have two of the people. And then have those situations that you've been in in those relationships. Because mm -hmm. so many times you can get like, you know, you take a mountain turn in mohos. It's, it's, ah, she fucking leaves the fridge open all the time. I can't be with somebody who leaves the fridge open all the time. You know, something like that. Uh, or, you know, and, and you can perciferate on that and make that your, the big problem. And, and you can hang on those things. But if you, you, you know, look back in your situations and look back in those things and be like, Okay, this is what it was like 
you you he replay in your head exactly you know like and then be like okay that wasn't that bad mm-hmm. or like oh like I could have that's where I went wrong and something like that and I think I think uh, one thing that that person did was write in a journal and I think writing in a journal is really cool because mm-hmm. you can take a look back and then be like ah, I hate this person I hate this person and you flip back three pages and be like ah oh, no, I fucking love them yeah you're right I, I says right here that <laughs> I, I love them and they were really great to me that day but <laughs> sometimes there's a balance of things that like that make you upset and there's a balance of things that build you up and make you really happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how do is there is there like what is there any way to like how, like how do I I feel like that's it's just it's it's hard to ju- how do you judge it from your subjective yes. perspective? Well, you know there was there was um, and first of all I I love the point that you made about taking <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> got it <laughs> absolutely that you know we can we can take that relationship right and and put it put it on our shoulder and say okay what and and another way of of saying that is both what we say about our partner um, and also what what's the voice of our partner on our shoulder you know what what is our partner a bitch. saying <laughs> right? and if that's it then that's something to think about right? <laughs> now that that would no, be that's one good that negative mindset you know i mean it's it's hard it's hard to break free of yourself when you're asking those things it right? absolutely is right and there like you know you hit on something really key that there's both the narrative of what we say about someone else and then there's what someone is saying to us and so you know there there's like the facts right like a police report just the facts and then there's also our interpretation of the facts and that kind of getting out of our head can be tough to disentangle um, but if we can actually step back so it's like okay so if if the voice on our in the voice uh, on our shoulders a bitch then it's like okay well what exactly was bitchy of, you know, what exactly happened. And that's where you can actually start to disentangle the interpretation from the reality, right? So it may be that the person was calling names and saying all these other things, like, okay, you know, right? That's a pretty accurate description of what was happening here. You know, that that's not okay. But then maybe it was, um, oh, you know, she was just totally disrespectful. She left the fridge open. And then, you know, she left the bathroom door open. I told her I always wanted clothes. And then, you know, she was, you know, she didn't, you know, she was, didn't text me when she was going to be, you know, a half an hour late from work. And, oh, I can't believe that. She just totally doesn't respect me. There's a, you know, there's a matter of real interpretation there. Um, and it can go the other way too, right? Well, so he called me names and he told me that, um, you know, I'm always supposed to tell him exactly where I'm, where I am at every moment. And he doesn't want me to spend time with my friends and everything. But, you know, he, he's just, you know, he's just a little insecure. That's all. I mean, he really loves me. And that's a sign that he loves me, right? Because, you know, he wants me to stay really close. So, I mean, the way that we say things can ramp up something and make it worse than it is or we can actually really dial it down um and downplay how you know potentially how harmful or unhealthy something is right and when you said that um you know she really didn't want to admit it to herself that's the key i mean it can be really hard it's like um you know i love board games so i love to think about things and you know kind of from those different perspectives right there's like there's the pieces perspective where you're just in something. And then there's, you know, if you can actually step back and get the player's eye view of it and really look at, okay, so overall, 
how would I describe my relationship? What is the story of my relationship? Is it the story of two well-intentioned people who, yeah, they flub up and they make mistakes sometimes, you know, but ultimately they really love each other and they're really good for each other? Or are there certain themes in there um, that are really things that need to be attended to? You know, is there a pattern of just feeling worse in general because you're right i mean they're going to be it it can be tricky when we think about the balance of these really good moments and these not so good moments and in fact sometimes um it can work either way the bad moments um you know even if there are just a few someone goes see right there's another problem but oftentimes what happens is somebody can point to a bright spot and use that as a reason to deny what's going on in the relationship and stay in it and say oh you know, see, like, look, he, he was so cool for a week or she was so cool for a week. I mean, surely there's something worth salvaging. Right. It can be really tough to to acknowledge that. Um, and, you know, like I said, it can take time. Certainly um, writing in a diary, if it's safe, right? If somebody um, if somebody's in a, in a relationship where there's potentially domestic violence, um, definitely I would not recommend that because, you know, that can, um, if somebody were to find it, that could be really dangerous. But right. really just kind of taking an honest inventory over time and checking in with yourself, right? Kind of really being honest with yourself and thinking, how do I feel in this relationship, right? Minus the facts of everything that's just fundamentally, how do I feel with this person, if I feel good, why? What is it about this person that leaves me feeling loved and cared for and at ease? If I if I feel, you know, unsafe, if I feel hurt, if I feel really sad all the time, what's going on there? Because I mean, that that's a sign, you know, right there. If somebody f- doesn't feel good in a relationship more often than not, um, that's something to think about because a relationship takes effort, but it shouldn't be this painful drudge, you know, it just shouldn't. So if that's where it goes and just really, you know, listening to yourself, that's a, that's a big sign to just start looking a little deeper. And maybe if you have like trusted friends around you or people, uh, like close, uh, people in your support group, do you think looking like to them for their, is, is that a positive or is that, uh, should should you look to people in your support group for like help with your like perspective on your relationship if you're questioning it, or do you think that's because they're they're removed from the relationship mm. they they have their own perspective and their own agendas? Well, actually, I mean it, it's it's a bit of a mixed bag. It depends on how that's used. Um, because on the one hand, sometimes people can make the mistake of um, telling complaining to their friends about what's going on and not telling their partner. And that can be a big issue because, again, right, vulnerability. Friends are so much easier to talk to about something that's going on. Yeah, they're not involved. Yeah. You don't have to change anything. Ah, she sucks, but bye, bye, There's no real conversation. They go, yeah, you're right, buddy. We love you. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's nothing. It's so much harder. There's nothing that's really um, at risk in talking to a friend rather than uh, talking to a partner. So I think where it's possible, and again, assuming that we're talking about a relationship where, um, you know, the person doesn't feel physically unsafe, um, because then it's always important to go and, you know, reach out and get resources and get support. But I mean, assuming that we're talking about, you know, talking outside of that frame, Talking to the partner, um, I think there, there's no substitute for that. But but you're getting at something uh, different. You're saying, well, what if you're really in this place? 
where let's say you've talked to the partner. What if you're in this place where you're just, you know, you're kind of in this and you're not sure whether you're with the right person, you're not sure, maybe they're, you've got some blind spots and you're just not seeing aspects of the relationship that are really important to think about. Right. It can be good um, to go to a trusted friend, especially one um, who you think will be more likely to be honest with you and isn't going, is going to be uh, as unbiased as possible, acknowledging that there's going to be some bias. Actually, there there's some evidence that uh, friends can be pretty predictive about how a relationship will go. Um, so you know, you, you again, it's like those those pieces on the outside. People can see um, what a relationship is, especially when friends are connected to the couple. Over time, um, they can see dynamics. People watch people. People watch uh, people's nonverbal behavior. They watch little nuances in what they say. Um, and so even though you don't know everything that goes on behind the scenes of a couple, you can get some insights um, about how connected two people are um, with all kinds of little um, little signs and signals. And so friends can get a gauge, too, of um, not only how connected two people are in general or whether there's maybe signs of trouble, but also and this is something that friends care about, right? We want to make sure that whoever our friends are with, that they're happy. Good and friends, that do at least. Yes, yeah, yeah <laughs> right? Good friends. Yeah. We, want to, we want the best for our friends. And so we, we watch and we see, all right, does this person, do they seem brighter? Do they seem like they're just more comfortable and they're happier before than after? And if that's not happening, you know, friends will notice that and be able to comment on that. So, you know... There are lots of different questions that, you know, you can ask a friend like, um, have you noticed any differences in me, um, you know, since I've been in this relationship, right? Like, even Nice if- haircut. <laughs> <laughs> nice haircut, right. <laughs> you know, what, what do you, you know, what do you think of, um, you know, what do you think of my partner? Um, so even if people are concerned about their friend being biased, just asking those kinds of open questions can be a good place to start. But then ultimately, you know, having the dialogue and being honest, because it's not something that people should carry alone right. if they're not sure. So whether they talk to, um, you know, a friend, whether they talk to uh, a therapist, um, you know, and certainly it's important to uh, talk to one's partner, um, you know, when they feel ready. And that's something that kind of on a case by case basis can really, right. can really vary. Yeah. You don't want to like bring it up too soon before you really understand like what you're talking about Absolutely. and then it can cause weird. Um, that's uh, right. What happens when you do take that inventory of your relationship, mm-hmm. you, you are able to separate your interpretation from the reality mm-hmm. and then you discover, wait, she's building me up. I'm the one I'm, bringing her to what what happens when you discover that you are the toxic uh, mm-hmm. component of the yeah. relationship and that you were doing things to bring her Great down question. instead of um the other way around well god first of all my hat's off to somebody who comes to that realization is willing to be honest with themselves and say wow i think i think i'm maybe not a good influence on my partner i think there are things that i'm doing i'm making some mistakes here i'm not doing what i want to do um when that happens, then then there's a the question of, okay, so what do you want to do with that knowledge? Um, and people can do different things with that. Um, you know, one kind of self-protective choice that somebody could make, which they could really rationalize and say, well, you know what, I'm just going to push this person away because it's better for them. Well, guess what? 
the partner's an adult, right, and can make their own decisions. Um, and so it depends, right? Because sometimes maybe it could be protective for the other person. Oftentimes it can be protective of oneself, right? I don't want to feel like I'm this bad partner, so I'm going to push the person away so I don't have to feel this way. Right. Um, in fact, it, I feel like we're coming full circle, right? Because it, it could even go back to, well, maybe I just don't feel right with myself and I'm scared of getting close, so I'm going to bring out my worst self and be toxic sure. to put this to push this person away. Um, Fuck. <laughs> Is that resonating? Ugh. Fucking real hard. Well, I, well, well what, one other thing actually that that remind that that oh, yeah. that yeah. It, and 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 and, uh, and actually I, I just sorry sorry I, I, this just came right back into my head totally. about what you were talking about about talking with friends mm-hmm. uh, and Adam I'm sorry if I'm talking out of turn here but something that like oh, a, geez, Adam Louise. was well no no no, no I'm, not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not going like into into serious details or anything but just uh, so Adam was recently Adam recently got out of a relationship mm-hmm. again sorry if I'm talking out of turn no, but um I had just clearly you're not Keep when going. you said when you when <laughs> after you when you told me you had broken up with her. It wasn't a surprise to me mm. because, and it's not, it's, and, and it's like, and she was a great person. And I didn't even, th- it's like, it had nothing to do with like the, the dynamic of your relationship necessarily, but it was that I just noticed that you seemed less happy or you seemed like more agitated mm. or you you're just, you seemed less happy when you had to be in the relationship over time. And it's just, I think it just, it became that way. And then, then when you told me like, oh, we broke up, that was like no surprise to me, just for that reason, and it was funny when you were saying how it's like friends can, and it's like I could detect that where it's like, oh man, I don't like I don't know what's going on. It's like it seems like it's something close, or maybe it's personal, yeah. whatever it is. But it was like, like you know, that was like wasn't surprising to me basically for that. <laughs> that that's all I'm trying to say. I don't know. <laughs> Does that make yeah. sense? No, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, you, I mean, you nailed it. We pick up. I was also so wondering much. why you weren't shocked, and you're like, yeah, no, cool, nice. So what, are you, what are you up to later? <laughs> like, oh, thanks, man. It's really sympathetic of you. <laughs> We pick up a lot, right? We really, I mean, heck, we pick up a lot with people we don't even know. Um, You know, we can detect so much, more than we think we can consciously. Um, You know, we can even pick up a lot about people when we don't even hear them, you know, just watching their nonverbals. So magnify that with, you know, someone who you know, someone who you care about and, you know, you're seeing them all the time. And you're used to their normal, yes. like, and you can see, you can, yes. you're, you're in tune to the changes. And you go, well, that's different than you are almost all the time. That's right. So that, yeah. Right. I mean, in relationships, you're like, right, if we come back to that idea of clean, of clean or dirty water, right? You go into a relationship, you're dropped into water of some kind. Are we talking about clean, refreshing water? Are we talking about, eh, it's okay water? Are we talking about, you know, really murky water? That has an impact. I mean, we are impacted by our relationships. They or maybe it starts clean and then you just keep shitting in the water and never yes. clean it and then it gets really dirty and now you're too. like, oh no. Right. Absolutely. That can happen <laughs> I gotta too. I got to leave this fish tank. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm just causing the fish tank more I harm. I got to find a new fish tank. Then you just go from <laughs> clean fish tank to clean fish tank making it dirty. That's another way to operate. <laughs> Thankfully, unlike actual fish, we have a self-cleaning mechanism. You know, we really can. There are things that we can do if we realize that we're doing things that make the relationship toxic, we can start to change that. And we can really think about, okay, what is it? And the more specific, the better, right? What is it specifically? Not just, it it can be so tempting to kind of take the easy way out and say, all right, I'm just, you know, like I'm just, you know, I'm toxic and I'm, I'm not good, but what, what is it that's actually toxic? And I would even invite people to 
change um, change the label that they're using, right? Because even that language, <laughs> even that language is toxic, right? Saying you know I'm, yeah. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a good person to be with. It's like okay, is it that you're not a good person to be with, or is it that there are certain things that are happening. What's the dynamic? Is it that you're feeling vulnerable and you're trying to push this person away? Well, notice how that notice how that shifts, right? I'm a person who's in a relationship and I'm terrified and I'm doing things to push this person away. That paints a very different portrait than I'm toxic and I'm no good. So if we think about, okay, so now we're getting more specific here. I'm scared and I'm trying to push this person away. What is it that I'm scared of and how am I doing that? How am I pushing this person away? And what is it that I can do to help myself cope with more intimacy? Because there's a reason why this is happening. What is it? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, damn it! <laughs> I wish I had that magic wand. <laughs> Is that why that resonated with you? Do you feel like that was like oh it, that was like your situation? Fucking hammer on the the head. Is it the head? Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. The, hit the, the nail, nail on the head. Hit the nail on the head. Yeah, hit the nail on the head. Yeah, hit the nail on the head. That's what you did. It's, you didn't hit the hammer on the head. Someone did that to a while back. <laughs> it's it's um, I feel like you know we're coming back to the idea of vulnerability. It is so um, it's hard to really be known. And, um, and if we can, if we can kind of give ourselves a little bit more kindness and, and first just acknowledge that, you know, it's okay to be terrified of connection. Um, I think that we're being dishonest to ourselves if we pretend that it's not scary. Um, and so then there's the question of, okay, so how do I, you know, how do I manage this? What do I do with these feelings that are coming up? How do I, um, how do I give myself a break, right? If if I if I'm if I've pushed someone away, all right. Well, what is it that I need uh, to take care of myself? What is it that I need to do? To what are the specific fears that I have, um, and addressing those, and then you know, and then with the knowledge that no matter even if we understand the fears that we have, we're not going to get rid of them entirely. Um, and I think that can be a, a temptation that. Um, virtually every person falls into is, oh, I, you know, I've got this fear. I need to turn the dial down on the fear. I need to make it go away. Um, but actually, if we can kind of change the game and think of it in a different way, that maybe it's not that we need to get rid of fear, but that we need, because, you know, it's an emotion, right? It's there, we, you know, it's adaptive. We're, we're supposed to have, you know, all kinds of feelings. Feelings aren't the enemy, um, if we can actually see them as information instead and say, okay, so what, what is this telling me? And if this is a relationship, if this is someone who I really care about and I really value, how can I take care of myself and continue to move closer to this person even though I'm terrified? How can I take care of myself and do things that are going to just help me feel a little bit better and make this journey a little bit more doable even though I'm terrified? Um, and... I think that's by taking away the self-judgment and putting in just our ability to understand ourselves and, and be more generous with ourselves and think, okay, you know, it's not that I'm a toxic person. What is it that I just need? And how do I navigate this crazy universe that's love? How do I do this? Um, then I think it makes it, ironically, a little bit less scary. 
Well, this was a hundred percent a therapy session. <laughs> yeah. Oh my uh, god, this is perfect. This, this is so pertinent. I'm gonna listen to this seven thousand times uh, and cry, and then hopefully figure some things out. Uh, and one one other just thing that that I, I found so find so interesting about what you were just saying is um, that like there is that difference between being kind to yourself and mm. then like coddling yourself a little yeah, bit. Right. Where whereas you can be kind to yourself in the way of saying like, oh, there's this. I I am very afraid of this thing, but I am being but I'm going to be brave by facing that fear and, mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, you know, going straight through it, looking at it in the face mm-hmm. and not saying like, oh, why am I afraid of this? It's okay to be afraid, but Absolutely. it's like, it's even better to be brave through that fear. But, and then, and then that, I feel like, like there's that balance, like where you, you can have that kindness or like you were saying, it's like, you can, you can run from the fear. You can retreat from it and kind of coddle yourself and say, all right, I don't want to expose myself to mm-hmm. these, um, more intense, uh, quote unquote, negative emotions. Absolutely. And it, and that's also both things are things that we're capable of doing. Um, you know, we can we can run from our fear. And actually, I mean, I really want to normalize that, too. It's so adaptive. I mean, look, you know, if you go to go to a stove and you touch it, ow, right? Oh, my God. OK, uh, pads for me next time. I'm not going to touch that again. We do that. So if we touch the proverbial hot stoves of life and relationships are certainly those, probably some of the hottest stoves in life. <laughs> you know, God, absolutely. So when we do that, it is so understandable that we jump back. Um, and I, I think there's actually opportunity. Not only not only is the is the desire to do that, does that come from an adaptive place? Um, so, so the desire is, is in, and it's, in and of itself is actually quite understandable. Um, but also how we can actually use that um, moving forward, that when we slip and fall, when, you know, if we push someone away, okay, now we have something we can learn from. You know, it, it's not something that has to be a failure. In fact, I think it's not. We can really use it to say, all right, how do I, how do I take myself to a whole new level? How do I enjoy my life and my next relationship better? Because that's absolutely, if, if we can use the moments when we struggle, um, then we can prepare, propel ourselves to something even better, a relationship that, that's more connected, that's a better fit for us, um, and we can have a whole lot more self-knowledge in the process. That's such a beautiful philosophy. It's so helpful to hear. I'm so glad. How do I ever... That's all I was I got that too. That was playing in my head as well. <laughs> You guys are so fun. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, this, th- thank you so much. Oh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll uh, wrap it up. We've kept you longer oh, and it's getting no nice problem. and hot. But yeah, thank, thank so you sweaty. so Thank oh, you so much. Pleasure. This has been a great, thank great you. honor to talk my to you. My pleasure. Thank you. It's been an honor too for me. Thank you both. Yeah, do, you, uh, do you have anything you want to plug? I saw you have a blog on your website. Do yeah, you I do. Thank you, you very much. That? Yeah, so I've, I've got a blog. Um, and uh, so if you go to um, Holly Parker uh, at hollyparker.squarespace.com, um, you can catch my blog. I'm also uh, on Twitter at Dr. Holly Parker, so you can follow me there. Um, or you can follow me on Facebook. I'm Dr. Uh, Holly Parker. Also, you'll see the um, nickname Dr. Holly. That's what people tend to call me. I said that was your fun name. And that's my fun name. That's right. That's yeah. my playful Playfully name. Playfully known as Dr. Holly. <laughs> that's right. Like, that's right. As opposed to serious, right? I guess it's not yes. Dr. Holly. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Could. Parker or Dr. Holly. 
Yeah. 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 Tisa, it's my alter ego. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go see Dr. Parker today. Yeah, I'm really scared of that. Uh, yeah, Dr. Holly was easy to be next week. I don't know if Dr. Parker has in store yeah. for me, though. It's going to be rough. <laughs> and it's actually funny because we're talking about uh, relationships. I've got, um, I've actually got a couple of books coming out as well. Oh, great. Um, so one is called, uh, it's, you know, we're talking about, we've been talking about denial a lot. It's interesting because my, my books on, uh, on denial that's coming out August 30th is called When Reality Bites. And then the other book that's coming out on January 3rd is on emotional unavailability. And we talk about um, healthy relationships and how to build connection with an emotionally unavailable partner. And that's called If We're Together, Why Do I Feel So Alone? So that's the second one that's coming out. Yay, okay. nice. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll pl- uh, plug all your links in the show notes oh, as well and in the it. beginning thank and you. intro and outro. Wonderful. Uh, but thank I you. cannot wait to read those. Oh, thank you so much. And I can't wait to hear more of your show. You guys are amazing. Like, And I just really appreciate um, and find it really inspiring how you are bringing to an audience so many human things and normalizing so many things and giving a voice to experiences that people may think, oh my God, I'm the only one or am I okay? Is this okay? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> you are you are okay and no, you're definitely not the only one. Not the um, only one. Yeah. So um, you know, you guys are therapist yourselves really oh, thank you that is you. that is the please don't listen to any of us or follow us i don't want to get we're not liable for anything we are not qualified for this <laughs> we're gonna read an email someday and then get sued off our ass for something we said no awesome. you know what? i i do i seriously i believe like some of the most therapeutic moments are just people listening to other people and hearing other people's stories and hearing themes and being, oh my god that's me that's me like i Wait a minute. So this this is something that other people experience. We have so many more similarities than differences as people. It's amazing. Did you hear that? She called us therapists. So uh, yeah, we're therapists now. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as we did. Uh, if anything in this episode resonated with you, um, please, I, we would love to hear about it. Email us at don'tknowwomen at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at don'tknowwomen. If you'd like to follow Holly, uh, she's at drhollyparker.com. On Twitter at drhollyparker. Buy her book, When Reality Bites, which comes out on August 30th. Uh, you will not regret it. Uh, thanks again for listening. You are not alone. That was supposed to be like inspiring, not creepy. Uh, I didn't mean to make you just like look behind you right there. Like, hi, right behind you. Uh, anyway, yeah, sorry. Okay, you're not alone. Bye.